Excuse me, are we on? I think so. Thank you. Hello, it's Paul. It's Nessa. It's, it's Paul and Nessa's, Nessa's Happy, Happy Hour. Hour. A sketch comedy podcast with added stuff and nonsense. Yes, it's the comedy podcast that stands in the stationary aisle in Wilco's. And sneakily sniffs all the highlighter pens. Welcome to episode two, Jane Austen and the Hadron Collider. Sports that are unsuitable for radio commentary. Number seven, tennis. He's hit the ball. 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 He's missed the ball. Hey, well, what a week it's been, hasn't it, Nessa? <laughs> uh, and exciting news on the Paul and Nessa's Happy Hour front. If drum you, roll, please. Drum roll, please, if I can find one in the edit after. <laughs> As we promised in the first episode of the series, we have actually started up and got our own, our very own <laughs> picnic channel. TikTok, Paul. TikTok, that's it, TikTok. So Dear you can go me. and find us on that. It's Paul and Nessa's Happy Hour, because <laughs> that's the title of the show, don't you know? <laughs> And, and if you don't know, you do now. <laughs> <laughs> and there is one video up there which we um, did, which was, uh, well, go and have a look for yourself. Yeah, and, go and have a look and yeah. like and follow. And we're in the usual places as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. You can get in touch with us at PN Happy Hour on Twitter and all that jazz. Have you had a lovely week anyway this I week? I have. Yes. What have su- you been up to? Well, the sun's been out, so I've just been out in the garden doing me flowers, <laughs> pottering. In your greenhouse. Like an old biddy in me crocs. I don't know what I did do. I went to get me toenails painted the other day and um, I had croc feet. Oh, that's right. Oh, you told me you were going into the office. You came home with your bloody toenails and your, <laughs> and your fingernails painted. Yeah, I had croc feet. It's where I've been wearing my crocs out in the garden and the little the sun's been shining through and I've got little tanned bits in the shape of a croc, <laughs> croc shoe. Well, that's lovely. Do you want to know what I've been up to this week? Yes. I've been stuck inside at my bloody laptop all week. <laughs> Editing sketches for this show. <laughs> I best put one on, eh? <laughs> Let's get on with it. Ah, Aesop, come in. Nice to see you again. Yeah, hi. Uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Enough small talk. I want to get straight on with discussing your latest Fables submissions. Oh, great, yeah. Do you like them? Well, I have one or two questions. One or two? Lots. Let's start with this one. The Hare and the Girl. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a sequel. They're, they're all the rage at the moment, right? Hmm. And then this one, The Girl and the Tortoise? Well, I figured why just have a sequel when you can have a trilogy. Huh? And then this one. The hare and the tortoise and the girl. That's the origin story. Look, never mind all that. What's with all these girls suddenly appearing in your fables? Okay, look. Seems to me, right, that every book that's getting published these days has got a damn girl in the title. So I decided I want a piece of the action. I take your point, Aesop, but I don't think it quite works like that. Listen, I'm willing to give it a shot, okay? 
My material is being used left, right, and center, and I don't see a cent for it, okay? My stuff gets used by crappy theater and education companies uh, as the thinly disguised inspiration for women's magazine stories. I heard some of my stuff is even being used in third-rate sketch comedy shows. Well, imitation is the best form Don't give me that crap, okay? I want a piece of the big money publishing action, and that's what these new fables are going to do for me. All right. Well, let's have a look, shall we? What about this one, The Girl in Sheep's Clothing? Uh, yeah, it's a chick-lit novel about a female wolf working in the fashion industry. Mm, I can't see it flying off the shelves in Waterstones, Aesop. I mean, you've basically just rehashed your old material, but put the word girl in the title. No, I haven't. Well, what about this one? The Ants and the Grasshopper, brackets, who's a girl, close brackets. Hey, there's nothing saying grasshoppers can't be girls. You're just being sexist. No, I'm not. Well, grasshopperist, then. What? Grass trans hopper genderphobic? Shut up. Right. There's just no way we can publish any of this stuff, Aesop. Apart from anything else, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, what's this one? The Girl in Council? That's a gritty story about a young mouse who takes on the patriarchal bureaucratic system and wins. It's kind of like a, an Erin Brockovich meets Hickory Dickory Dock. <sighs> and this one? The Girl That Laid the Golden Eggs? Oh, yeah. A mystery thriller about a prostitute called Goose and the way she's mistreated by her pimp. The Shepherd's Boy and the Girl? Kind of a Fifty Shades of Grey, but set in Wales and with a little bit of bestiality. Jesus, Aesop, this is ridiculous. I mean, what's this one? The Pomegranate, the Apple Tree and the Girl? Yeah, I was out of my box on absinthe when I wrote that. I don't know what the fuck that one is about. Aesop, I'm sorry, I can't publish any of these. You need to go away and, and just write your own material. Write some new fables and don't worry about anyone else's stuff. Wait, wait. One last pitch. Here, what about this one? It's loosely based on the mouse, the frog and the hawk. The girl, the girl and the girl. Well, everyone likes a bit of three-way girl and girl action, right? Get out. It's time for the stupid internet bit now. <laughs> And you'll be as pleased as I am to hear that we've got a new homemade jingle for it. <laughs> this is the bit, this is the bit, this is the bit where we read out shit from the internet. Ooh, the internet. We read the internet and we found some shit and this is the bit where we read it. Well, there you go. No expense spent. <laughs> uh, now, we're going to do another one of them Google predicts because we enjoy doing it so much in the first episode. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do that again, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And um, I went looking for one this week uh -huh. and I simply typed in why. Oh, just why. This will be Just a good why. This will be a good one. Go on, then. <laughs> why. Yeah. First two were just a bit boring. They were just film titles. Why him? Right. And why women kill. Why women why kill? Women Is that the sequel to what women want? <laughs> Dead husbands. <laughs> <laughs> then, why do cats purr? Why do cats purr? Yeah, right. just because they yeah. do, don't they? Why am I... <laughs> just because they, they do. do. 
Well, they do. <laughs> Why do dogs bark? Because <laughs> they do. Why do snails die? <laughs> Just because they do. Sorry, I've gone off on a track. Shut up. Yeah. Why am I so tired? Oh, yeah. That, I, yeah, I could ask that one. <laughs> why am I always tired? <laughs> <laughs> and then, why am I always hungry? <laughs> <laughs> why is the sky blue? Oh, that's more like it. That's yeah, nice. Why yeah. is the sky blue? <laughs> You won't say that on the next one. Why is my poo green? I mean, what? Just why is my poo green? So there's a colour thing going on here now. Yeah, there is. The next one. Why is my pee red? (laughs) What? You want to get yourself to a doctor? I was going to say. Who's pissing blood? (laughs) If you are, go and see a doctor. (laughs) Then finally, this is my favourite. Just random. Why were chainsaws invented? (laughs) We read the internet and we found some shit And that was the bit where we read it So what brought you to work at the Hadron Collider? Well, I did degrees in physics and drama Right So it was either this or working behind a bar Got you Do you think we'll ever collide protons and find a top quark or the Higgs boson? Mm, Dunno. Oh, oh, oh shit, I can't believe it. What, what, what what is it? Oh, bollocks, this is bad. This is really, really bad. What? I've forgotten to take something out of the freezer for tea tonight. Sports that are unsuitable for radio commentary. Number 12. The 100 metres sprint. He's running really fast. 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 They've all stopped running. Time for another of our spoof, I mean, celebrity interviews now. And we're pleased to be speaking this week to Mary Beard. Yes. Now, Mary, you present a very highbrow arts programme, don't you? What's it called again? Inside Culture. Ah, that's right. You get to talk to a variety of people across all aspects of culture. You must hear some fascinating insights. A leading art historian once said to me, we think Hillary Clinton's very impressive, but the better women are, the more they get accused of just being portrayed in a portrait. Sounds like the sort of meaningless bollocks a self-important art historian would say. That just about sums it all up. Now, we heard that you're actually quite a fan of Happy Hour. It's absolutely great. Oh, thanks. We do like our little podcast space that we've got. You really are owning the space. And we've just started up our own picnic channel. TikTok. I keep trying to tell him, Mary. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but, but we're, you know, we're just trying to do comedy that makes us laugh. What about the audience? Well... What about the audience? I wondered what you people thought about cliché. You think our comedy show is clichéd? Even more cliché than Oscar Wilde, I have to say. How rude. We're trying to push boundaries here, change things up a bit. Do you think any of this can ever change something? I'll change the look of your face with my fists if you carry on like that. Don't mess with me. Whoa, easy, easy, Mary. Careful, Nessa. I've heard she's a bit handy. Look, look, I'll I'll tell you what. Let's just do our quiz bit, shall we? So, here we go. Here we go. Ready, Mary? Right. What role does Nadim Zahawi have in the government? Minister of Education. Correct. 
what was the last novel by Jane Austen to be published in her lifetime? Correct. What was the name of the American radio and TV soap opera that ran from 1952 to 2009? Guiding Light. Correct. We thought we'd catch you out with that one. Where would you find a whole load of bigoted, out-of-touch, opinionated assholes In the House of Lords. Oh, that's a good effort, but the answer on the card is actually on Twitter. On Twitter? Yes, bad luck. And finally, in what year is Back to the Future set? In 1923. Oh, no, it's actually 1985. I've just resolutely failed. You have, really. Everybody knows that. Idiot. Don't mess with me. Uh, uh, so, so anyway, uh, listen, listen. Uh, just uh, a few random quickie questions for you now, Mary, if that's all right. Um, uh, oh, what nationality would you hate to be? French. Good answer. And where in England would you hate to be from? Newcastle. Yep, me too. And finally, uh, can I ask, what do you think about masturbation? Something that... Maybe it's better done in private. <laughs> I've learnt my lesson there. Well, quite. Now, you cover a lot of cinema in, in your programme. Cinema or the theatre. Um, painting. Yeah, yeah, but, but I want to talk about the immersion of the cinema. Immersion of the cinema. That's what I just said. So, what is your favourite film? The Sound of Music. Oh, my God! Mine too! Oh, the ending. When they, they haven't got shot and... Yes! And there they are in, in the, the Alps. Alps. Yes. Oh, my God, Mary. I think we're going to plan some time a joint trip to the cinema. Yes, to see Sing Along A Sound Of Music. When should we do it? Next week. It's a date. Right, well, uh, I think we'll just leave it there then, shall we? Uh, thanks for joining us, Mary Beard. It's been great to talk. <laughs> With many more people now working from home, there's a concern that not having a natural routine or actual interaction with real people might cause a lack of productivity or motivation. One way of combating this is to create a so-called fake commute to work, even if that means just getting out of the house and walking round the block. If this catches on, we wonder how a local radio station traffic report might have to adapt to the new norm. Now it's over to Simon for the latest on your morning commute. Yeah, thanks, Jeannie. Uh, it's looking pretty tricky out there this morning. Uh, first of all, on the pavement of Ulverston Road, foot traffic is slow there due to an overturned pensioner. Uh, it seems old Mrs Garrick put her walking stick on a discarded banana skin and completely lost her balance. Emergency services are on the scene, but there are delays there, and also on the pavement opposite due to onlookers. Uh, massive queues, as usual, on the town square outside the old cinema. Uh, that's due to the usual build-up of work dodgers waiting for the Weatherspoons to open for breakfast so they can get their first whiskey fix of the day. And heavy foot traffic in Greenfield Park this morning. Uh, I'm getting reports of a high number of middle-aged people in ill-fitting lycra running around haphazardly, not watching where they're going and glancing anxiously at their Fitbits. So take extra care through that little stretch. And speaking of Greenfield Park, there's one lane closed on the alleyway cut-through between the park and Chaucer Avenue. And that's because of a completely unresponsible dog owner who has let their dog do a big shit on the path and hasn't bothered to pick it up. So avoid that area if you can. 
And finally, uh, if you used to travel to work on the M25, just go out to your drive and sit stationary in your car for two hours. That should perfectly replicate your old commute. Alright, now it's time for the quiz. <laughs> and you'll be pleased to hear, we've got another new homemade jingle for this one too. This is the jingle for the quiz slash game. It's not very easy to come up with the jingle. So that's the end of the jingle. And this is the start of the quiz slash game. <laughs> Still no expense spend. So... Uh, I'm going to do the quiz on you this week, and because you did it on me last week, and yeah. that's how it works here. <laughs> so what I thought I'd do, for no reason other than I found it on the internet when we were looking for shit, <laughs> um, the quiz is going to be about the original names for the seven dwarfs, right? Oh, God, So Because right. the first time the dwarfs were actually named, given names in, in, in the story, <laughs> was for a 1912 Broadway play. Now, those names were... This is just a bit of background info for you. Those <laughs> names were... Blick, Flick, Glick, Snick, <laughs> Plick, Wick, and Quee. What? Yeah, exactly. That's what Walt Disney said. <laughs> so him and his writers changed them all for the Disney films, but the ones that we have got now, there was loads of other alternatives, or mm-hmm. loads of other suggestions. So you've just got to guess which of these are true suggestions <laughs> and which ones I've made up. Right, original suggestions right. for the Seven Dwarfs names. Okay. Here we go. Right. Jumpy. True. Correct, that is true. Deffy. <laughs> That's got to be false. That's true. <laughs> All right, Deffy. <laughs> Next one, Blindy. False. That is false, yes. Next one, Prick. <laughs> That is false. Dick. These are just names I call you. (laughs) False. That is false as well. I thought I might have caught you out with that one. All right, next one. Snotty. (laughs) True. It's false, but there was a sniffy. (laughs) Baldy. Still names that you call me. Baldy. I can't. True. It's true, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fatso. <laughs> no, false. That is false, but there was a tubby. <laughs> That's what you call me. <laughs> <laughs> Wheezy. Uh, true. True, correct. Midget. <laughs> true. False, <laughs> but there was a shorty. <laughs> and finally, finally. <laughs> no, false. <laughs> oh, yeah. Finally. Flatulence. <laughs> false. False, but there was a burpee. <laughs> and other suggestions were swift, lazy, puffy, stuffy, dizzy, hickey. <laughs> hickey. You know, like them things you hickey. used to get on your neck yeah. when you were a teenager. No, I never did. <laughs> no, neither did I. Anyway, there you go. Excellent. That's enough of that. Thank you. <laughs> that is the end of the quiz slash game. It's harder to write an outro than it is to write an intro So we're not going to bother So that is the end of the quiz slash game Right, that's the end of part one of Happy Hour We'll see you in part two (laughs) Do 
have a husband with stinky feet? Teenage children who haven't washed for weeks and smell like a sewer rat? And are you just too lazy ass to clean your house properly once in a while? Then just spray it instead with a bottle of Breeze Whiff. Breeze Whiff has been specially formulated to settle on your furniture, carpets and clothes and mask any unwanted odours for, ooh, hours. Its overwhelming smell of mint ice cream and dandelions won't eliminate the bad smells from your house, but it will disguise them. Just long enough for that unexpected visit from your mother-in-law or that bloke from the tennis club who comes round once a week when your husband is at work. Breeze whiff, because life's too short to actually give a shit about cleaning. Are you hungry? Have you got a phone, a debit card, and no idea of the ridiculousness of modern living? Then Delivery Woo is here for you. Whatever you fancy, we'll bring it to your door. Pizza, Chinese, Italian, Mackey D's, KFC, Thai, Burger King, Nando's, Wagamama's, Pret, Starbucks. Hear me there? Pret and Starbucks. We'll even bring a fucking sandwich and a cup of coffee to your door. Delivery woo for anyone who's too fucking bone idle to actually cook a meal. Welcome back. <laughs> and off we go again. <laughs> Jokes that make you laugh. Jokes that make you cry. Jokes that are really, really funny. Jokes. <laughs> How do you get a squirrel to like you? How do you get a squirrel to like I don't know. How do you get a squirrel to like you? Act like a nut. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I drew a swear. <laughs> Time for our serial now. The case files of Johnny Malone. <laughs> yes, enjoy this one. Johnny Malone and the missing marbles. <laughs> the day had started just like it usually did. It was Tuesday, so it started with a T. There was one time last year when it mistakenly started with a P, but nobody wanted to remember Pooh's Day for all kinds of reasons. I was in my office filing paperwork. My new secretary was at her desk filing her nails. She wanted to hang some pictures in her apartment, but the nails weren't sharp enough to go into the walls, so she'd brought them into work to file them. It was looking like it might be a quiet week, when suddenly, the door burst open. I knew it had been a mistake to fit an inflatable door, but the salesman had been so persuasive, he was full of hot air, which was more than I could say for my door. I lifted my head from my paperwork. It was annoying having to use my head as a paperweight, but I'd had to since my last one turned out to be a real armadillo and had scuttled away in the night when no one was watching. I put my head back on my neck, turned it around the right way, and there she was, standing in the hole where my door should have been. You're the private investigator, Johnny Malone, I believe. She was tall for her height, and she had the whiff of aristocracy about her. Aristocracy, the new fragrance by Dior. I recognized it immediately. That's right, sweetheart. What can I do for you? 
I heard you take missing cases. No, you're mistaking me for the last baggage counter at the railway station. She rolled her eyes at me. I resisted the temptation to do the obvious overused joke and instead invited her to take a seat. She took it down the corridor, so I ran after her and joined her on the fire escape. I need your help, Johnny Malone. I've lost my marbles. Then you don't need a P.I., honey. You need a shrink. She rolled her eyes at me again. This time I couldn't resist, and I rolled them back to her. She managed to get one and put it back in, but the other was pounced on by my paperweight, which was hiding under a fire bucket. Damn that armadillo. So, your marbles are missing, huh? Yes, and I think they were stolen. What makes you think that? I've got a hunch. She did. From the front she was beautiful, but from the side she looked like Quasimodo trying to smuggle a cushion up the back of his shirt. You'll take the case, won't you? No, you're mistaking me for a hotel porter. She only had one eye left to roll, and she wasn't going to take the risk with that armadillo still on the loose. So instead, she gave me her calling card, threw my chair at me, and headed off down the fire escape and into the city streets. I left my secretary buffering her hammer, and yes, that was a euphemism, and trudged the rain-soaked streets. These streets seemed different in the daytime. They were lighter for a start. I looked at the dame's calling card and realized I didn't know where I was going, so I stopped to ask a little girl for directions. It turned out that the little girl was actually a fully grown Chinese woman. She only came up to my knees, but she was wise and witty and ready to please. The fact that she sounded like Google Translate was a complete coincidence. She told me where to find the address. She didn't speak any English. Luckily, I spoke fluent Mandarin, thanks to the time I'd worked undercover as a duck. I got in a cab and was on my way. Half an hour later, we arrived at Elgin Mansion. Of course, I knew I'd recognized her from the society pages of Posh Twats magazine. She was Lady Elizabeth Elgin, so... It was the Elgin marbles that had been stolen. I rang the doorbell of the mansion. It was a strange sound for a doorbell to have. The door was opened by a fully grown Chinese woman. All right, mister. What's your business, Elgin Mansion? It turned out that the fully grown Chinese woman was actually a young girl. She was obviously in service here. I'm investigating the theft of Lady Elgin's marbles. Did you see anything? Not a thing. How can you be so sure? I'm registered blind. I see. I don't. Is Lady Elgin at home? No, it's Tuesday. She goes down into the village on a Tuesday to throw rocks at the poor people. I see. I don't. Well, I'm sorry to have wasted your time. Not a waste of time, Gav. I'm always grateful of the practice. For what? Opening and closing doors. Nailed it! I was about to get back in the cab when I noticed something under my foot. It was the ground. On closer inspection, I saw something on that. 
It was my other foot. On closer inspection than that, I noticed something in between the ground and my other foot. A clump of badger fur and the trigger of a glue gun. This had to be a clue, and it could only mean one thing. Mad Frank the taxidermist. I told the cab driver to drive to Mad Frank's as quickly as he could. Unfortunately, he left before I could get in the back, so I had to steal the tricycle of a very small toddler who was wearing the fancy dress of a fully grown Chinese midget. It took me a while to get there, but when I finally did, I burst open the door. Mad Frank! So, you bought one of those inflatable doors too, huh? Johnny Malone. He was kneeling on the floor with his hand in a pussy. His assistant was busy manipulating a cock. A huge ass dominated the corner of the room, and in the window, there was a fine display of tits. There was no mistaking. This was a taxidermist's. What are you doing here, Malone? I got no business with you. Well, I got business with you, Mad Frank. What are you doing with your hand in that pussy? It's what I do. I'm a taxidermist. I stuff animals. Oh, yeah? And what are you using for its eyes? Who wants to know? Well, I do. I was the one who just asked the question. Oh, yeah. I'm using marbles. Really? And how do you get them to stay in? Using my glue gun. I'd like to see you try without this. A piece of badger fur? Oh, I, I mean this. <gasps> my glue gun trigger. So you admit it. That proves that you were at Elgin Mansion and that you stole the Elgin marbles. I got you banged to rights, Mad Frank. Damn you, Johnny Malone. Damn you to all the shot. Uh, do you want to stroke my cock? Shut up, Arnie. And so another case had been solved. I got back to my office in order to tie up some loose ends. I was sick of tripping over my shoelaces, and the office was the only place I felt safe tying them. My secretary had already gone home to bang some nails in, and yes, that was also a euphemism. So I sat in my chair, poured myself a fully grown Chinese woman measure of bourbon, and waited for the next case for Johnny Malone. Well, Paul has had to leave the studio for a few minutes. Uh, he's down the corridor in the office forging his own recommendation to be awarded an MBE because he says it uh, seems that any talentless fucker can get one these days. <laughs> anyway, I'm delighted to say that we're joined by a new friend of Happy Hour. It's Roger the Poet Farmer. Hello, Roger. Yeah, Lake. Now, I should explain. Since the first series aired, our new studios have relocated to rural Northumberland, which is where we now record, and where we first met you, isn't, isn't that right, Roger? Aye, that's right, like Nessa, that's very right, aye, aye, I remember it well, like, uh, us farmers were in our local pub, having our weekly farmers meeting, and uh, in you walked with a pole, like, uh, you bought yourselves two pints and a bag of Thai sweet chilli to share, aye, you did, and you plunked yourselves down next to the fire. Oh, you made us feel very welcome, I have to say. Well, Nessa, I seem to remember you were giving me the eye that night. 
Sorry. Yeah, you kept glancing over, smiling and winking at me. What? That's right. I remember when that Paul went for a piss for the fifth time in an hour. Sorry, I just remembered something funny there. <laughs> you looked over and winked at me very deliberately. No, Roger, I think you've taken that the wrong way. I wasn't winking. I just had too much coffee that day and I was having one of those, you know, the eye-twitching episodes. Oh, right. I've got some cow tranquilizer. I can sort that out for you if you like. <laughs> oh, no. Well, anyway, you're going to be joining us here live in the studio every so often to read some of your poetry, and it's inspired by the beautiful Northumbrian scenery and way of life, isn't yeah, it? Yes, that's right, Lake. That's right, Ty. Ah, but before we do that this week, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Tell us about your farm first. Oh, well, it's been a tough old time. If I'm honest, Lake... Uh, we lost half the sheep to black leg earlier this year, and uh, the dairy cows we had all died of anaplasmosis. Oh. Uh, it's a disease caused by parasites that affects the cows' red blood cells. Oh, terrible. Aye, aye. Plus, uh, we had a few chickens for the eggs, mostly, like, and uh, we lost all those at the beginning of the year to the bird flu. Oh, gosh, Roger, what an awful year for you. Nessa, you got livestock? You get dead stuck. Well, it's a farming scene, that you know. <laughs> Is it? Right. I've never heard that before. Right. Well, on the bright side, perhaps you have your family around you on the farm to help you keep your spirits up? Actually, uh, my wife left me last month. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Uh, she left me for the bloke over on the next farm because he has a much better tractor than mine. Right. Uh, she didn't leave me a dear John letter. She left me a John Deere letter. <laughs> a little in-joke there for the farming community listening. <laughs> well, anyway, Roger, um, I think we've heard enough about farming life for now. Not exactly country this, is it? <laughs> Shall we hear your poem? All right, aye, aye, I've got it here. Right. <clears throat> right. Now spring has sprung all around. The air is full of happy sounds. The breeze blowing gently through the hay. The bull in the cowshed getting his end away. <laughs> the lambs in the fields running and gambling. That's G-A-M-B-O-L, gamble. Not like placing bets on a game of cards. <laughs> the lambs in the fields running and gambling. The twats with their OS maps doing their rambling. Tramping my fields in their newly bought wellies. Uh, isn't this a nice break from our tellies? <laughs> they think that by rambling they're doing no harm. But you cannot have it here to roam in your farm, leaving gates open, straying from the path, letting dogs off the leads, they will feel my wrath. Because <laughs> the best sound of all for me, to be fair, is the blast of a shotgun ringing through the air. Oh, yes, silly townies, please do come and ramble. If, with your life, you do want to gamble, that's G-A-M-B-L-E that time, Nissa. <laughs> Trespassing's a big risk if you want to choose it, because I've got a 20-bore and I'm not scared to use it. <laughs> I will shoot their dogs, I will shoot their cats, I'll shoot their daft faces from under their hats. <laughs> I'll blast off their wellies, fill them with fear. Then I'll compost their bodies. No one will ever even know they were here. The end. <laughs> wow. Well, 
thanks. Thanks for that fascinating insight into your world, Roger the Poet Farmer. <laughs> Sports that are unsuitable for radio commentary. Number 17, ski jumping. He's going down. 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 He's going up. 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 He's going down. He's going down. He's going down. He's going down. He's landed. There's jobs around the house to do, like cleaning toilets and scrubbing poo, spraying pledge and polishing till all the dust is gone. Changing a light bulb, mending a fuse, suddenly wanting to watch the news, putting up IKEA shelves to put our cookbooks on. We're all grown up now, but it isn't what we planned. The perks are frankly rather sparse. Responsibility's a thing that should be banned. So take this being an adult thing and shove it up your ass. Constantly running around with a hoover, down on your knees with the stain remover. Hours doing the online shop, what's it all about? Constantly having to mow the lawn, makes you wish that you'd never been born. Plus the weekly stress of if you've put the right bins out. I'm separating all the colours from the whites, wash days are never ending chore. And when it's finished and the laundry's all been dried It's folding pants and paring socks, what a fucking bore Pulling up weeds from the garden path Checking yourself when you're in the bath Where you park your car leads to a neighbourly dispute Working to pay all the bills on time Drowning your fears in a bottle of wine Realising you have the need to own a funeral suit we're all grown up now, but it isn't what we planned. The whole thing really is a farce. Responsibility is a thing that should be banned. So take this being an adult thing and shove it up your ass. But as long as we're facing it all together, I could keep doing it all forever. Cause we know the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So it's not going to drive us around the bend Cos none of it matters in the end So let's go get pissed in the pub And have a game of darts You have been listening to Paul and Nessa's Happy Hour Conceived, written and performed by Paul Dunn and Nessa Karen. The Case Files of Johnny Malone was written by Paul Dunn And featured the additional voices of Google Translate <laughs> The music was from Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech The script editor was Paul Dunn Happy Hour is a Crank Danville production. Yay! Yay! We've gone through episode two. <laughs> I knew it had been a mistake to fit an inflatable door. <laughs> <laughs> she was tall for her age. No. What? Fuck. <laughs> That's not the joke. That's the thing that somebody really would say. What makes you think that? I've got a hunch. She did. From the front, she was beautiful, but from the side, she looked like Quasimodo. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't speak any English. Luckily, I spoke fluent Mandarin, thanks to the time I'd worked undercover as a duck. (laughs) 
It turned out that the little girl was actually a fully grown Chinese woman. She only came up to my knees. <laughs> Unfortunately, he left before I could get in the back, so I had to steal the tricycle of a very small toddler who was wearing the fancy dress of a fully grown Chinese midget. <laughs> you can't say that. Fuck it. Mm-hmm.